0: Dynamic Women Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Linda Crater celebrate the thoughts and opinions of magnetic, spirited, and influential women. Each week, bold, brilliant women spark vigorous conversations on the complexities of life, love, and happiness. Now here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Linda Crater.
1: ladies this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Linda Crater and we've got an outstanding show today and we are going to talk about networking now it's been said that that women are really good at making friends but they're not so great at networking and I have a sneaky suspicion that that is because women in general don't ask for what they want now Linda Franklin, who's on our show today, has been a great influence on me, and one of the things she has has talked to me again and again about is asking for what you want. You're not going to get it if you don't ask for what you want, and I've, I've got one kid that'll do that, one kid that won't. It's hard for me. So I want to open the conversation with that because asking for what you want is a big part of networking because you can connect. But if you don't ask, then the system falls apart. I'm going to go to Linda Franklin first.
2: Okay. Well, thank you for the kind words. But yeah, it, uh, asking for what you want is really important uh, because I had a mentor that said, you know, people are not mind readers. You know, he used to say to me, you have enough trouble knowing what's going on in your mind, let alone anybody else's. So just, you know, just tell them what you want. And uh, the, uh, the worst thing someone can say is no. But if you don't, if you don't ask, you're never going to find out. And who knows what you're leaving on the table by not asking. So, I, I think it's really, really important, especially for women who kind of stand, stand back and um, let other people take, take the stuff off the table, well, well, and then they feel terrible that they didn't do it. So it's just an easy thing. You just have to get used to it. It becomes a habit. Ask for what you want.
1: Um, and I'm going to go over to Alex Okoroji. She's coming to us today from Nigeria. Alex, how is it for you when when you were building your business? Did you find it easy to network, but hard to ask for what you want, or did that come naturally?
3: Um well, first of all, thank you Sandra, for just you know inviting me and having me join this amazing conversation uh with all the beautiful women who are on this um for me when I first started my business i, I think it's a uh, well being in a little it- it's it's it was uh it- it's not very easy to ask for what you want actually I had to learn that right um networking meeting new people and introducing yourself um Trying to build relationships beyond, or should I say business relationships, it was something that I had to learn. Because at first, um, especially with the background that I had, um, coming from the entertainment industry, at first you just have this idea that everybody knows who you are, right? Well... People might recognize you, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they want to do business with you or that they know that you're available to do business with them or that you're open to doing something more with them. Right. And so I had to gradually just learn how to kind of like come out and, you know, just step out and say, hey, I'd love to do something with you, you know, or oh, I have this great idea and I think it'll be great for you. It'll be perfect and it'll be nice to have you on board. So that was something that took me a bit of you know, time to learn how to do really.
1: Lori
4: Johnson from
1: Texas. Oh, hi, Larry.
4: Hi. Uh, yeah, though there's a bigger concept going on here, I think, that has to do with how women see themselves coming out of, and I'm going to go into this, sorry about that, the 2,000 years of male dominance in the Piscean Age. So it's the construct of how the business is set up, that it is women trying to find out who they are within themselves. As we're coming into an equality zone and being able to then work within what is still considered a very lines and squares, male-dominated business construct, so that when you are trying to network, you're still trying to network based on those rules. And what we're coming into and what I think the networking is going to be involved with is how women do that, not based on how men have set it up, but how women are resetting it up, which is going to be the new construct as we go forward.
1: Very interesting. We're going to go and hear from Lisa Dietrich in Oregon.
5: I um, kind of agree with all of what the other women are saying. We tend to kind of sit there and chat over what we're up to. And yet I find myself, I don't necessarily ask uh, for business or, you know, for assistance a lot of times. So I definitely have to agree with that.
1: Well, and it's funny, Lisa, you mentioned that because we've done some work together, and we've been friends a long time and you know Lisa has been very important to my family, and she's been very important, especially to my kids. Um, she was teaching them um, for 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 a couple of years, and so I really respect her so when I had to call her in Oregon to ask her to edit a document, I was really nervous and i don 't know why I was so nervous, I just was, and I knew Lisa would do a great job. I knew that you know she might want the work but then I thought I don't want business to affect our relationship. Um and it's I don't know if if men think that
0: way. I don't I don't think they do. I'm gonna go to Linda uh, Crater in Washington DC. You know I think this is very interesting because I've been in sales since college. My first job out of college was in sales and pharmaceutical industry and I was in that for many many years. So Sales and meeting people in a very male-dominated industry, uh, it sort of was just the world that I knew. I was one of 11 women out of 435 reps when I was a little 22-year-old coming out and learning. And when I began starting some of the companies that I've started, I had to change my career each time or my industry focus but I was still meeting people, I was still selling, and I, I have a premise that unless you can really sell yourself, you will not, and I mean that, in, of course, you will not be able to succeed because if you don't know yourself and if you don't know your value, then how can you present a good face to others in networking, so I found it was the very small things—a look direct in someone's eye, a very firm handshake that said, "I am so glad to meet you," and by the way, my handshake is firmer than yours—not um, as a one-upman, but just as, you know, I'm I'm here because we have things that we can add value to one another, and that's what I'd like to share with you. So I have found networking to be very natural in my life. I think the least natural part of that was when I changed into working in the D.C. arena because I had to learn how to speak D.C., which I think is a unique language unto its own. Laura Johnson in Texas.
4: Yeah, I had an instance that happened to me quite a few years ago that put things a little bit clearer for me. It was a combination of watching my younger son or my older son, who is very, very smart, be less than who he was so he wouldn't intimidate people. And Mm. at the same time, a show on Oprah where she was talking about how women will be nice or um, apologetic because they know they're stronger than the people they're with, including the men, and they don't want to intimidate them, or get the backlash of seeming that they're on the same level or smarter. And when I saw that, especially with my son, the first thing that I did, and obviously we took him out, put him into private school because he was so freaking smart, and he really excelled from there. But that was something that taught me to not be less than who I was in every situation. And if I intimidated people, that was their issue, not mine. And it made a difference in how I approached everybody else. <clears throat> I wasn't caring. It's not caring. I wasn't being so concerned about whether um, my energy or my Intelligence or how I was talking to them was going to put them off. I was trying to be as clear as who I was. And it made a huge difference in, you know, I lost some people in my life because they just couldn't take intimidation. But I also gained a lot of people and gained a lot of contacts who could deal with me being exactly who I was. I think that's something that women are still finding who they are in this new energy and being able to stand in that without fear of repercussion. That if you're stronger than a man, especially in a business situation, especially in network, that able to stand in what you know and get that energy or get that lesson about how you do that without denying who you are and without really throwing off the people that you're with.
1: Linda Franklin, we're going to go to New York right now and talk about. With respect to networking, you know women are are leading companies, they're leading projects, they're leading charities. Why is it so important that we network?
2: Well, I found that out uh, for myself uh, very, very quickly when I left Wall Street because when I was on Wall Street because On Wall Street, there's a buy side and a sell side. When you're on the, on the buy side, you're giving out business. And when you're on the sell side, you're looking for business. I was always on the buy side. So I didn't have to do a lot of networking because I was, I was the, you know, the big cheese that was giving out business. Um, then when I left Wall Street and started to do my own online and my charity work, um, I was kind of forced into um, networking because I needed things. I needed to tell people what I was doing now, and I needed them to get involved in, in whatever project I was doing at the time. It was difficult for me because I was not used to it. Um, and to be honest with you, I didn't like it, uh, because, but I, I, I had to do it even though I didn't like it and that you know in New York City it's kind of easy because there's stuff going on every night of the week so you can you know you know pick and choose what you you want to do to who you want to meet but um it's very important because um, if they don't know who you are, if they don't know what you're doing, then they're not going to get involved. So I, I did have a helper, a woman uh, that's great. Her name is Trish Rubin. That was her thing. She, she put me right in the middle of it. She goes into a room and she just goes over to anybody and she dragged me along. <laughs> and it did, and it, you know, it was really nice to have someone that really knew the territory to guide me uh, to the importance of it. Mm.
1: Well, and I think that's something that, you know, we're either born with and good at, or we have to learn. I think many of us have had to learn how to ask for what we want and to to even think about what we want. One of the funny things that I think was uh, very common, especially in my peer group growing up, is we were often told what we would do, told what we would eat, told what we would have. There wasn't a whole aspect of free choice or or asking. And I think in small towns, especially if you don't have a lot of money, you just grow up thinking, well, you get what you get. And that was a big mindset that I had to deal with. I still have to deal with it. And that is a change in me. And I think when I started asking for what I wanted, I became very intimidating to a lot of people. And we're going to talk when we come back from the break, how powerful women are perceived as intimidating, where a powerful man will be seen as a leader. And so we're going to talk a little about intimidation and perception as women when we come back from the break. We're here today with Alex Okoroji, Kimberly Rinaldi, Linda Crater, Linda Franklin, Lori Johnson, and Lisa Dietrich. I'm your host for today, Sandra Beck. We'll be back after the break.
0: We're Dynamic Women Talk Radio, and we'll return after these short messages.
6: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond.
7: Did you know that the average teenager drinks twice as much soda as milk? Since 1983, sugar consumption in the U.S. is up 28%. Why is that? There are several reasons, but one of the most common is soft drinks. 20 ounce beverages have become the norm, and it's not surprising to find that 43% of our sugar comes from drinks. Sugar is blamed for poor nutritional diets. USDA data shows that people whose diets are high in added sugar eat less calcium, fiber, iron, protein, and many other important nutrients. Fat-free foods are also a culprit. Since sugar is fat-free, many people tend to think it's okay to eat as much as they want. Remember that just because a food is fat-free does not mean that it's calorie-free also. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. It's Most of us use computers and smart
8: devices on a daily basis without giving much thought to the history behind the technology. The first website ever created was dedicated to information about the World Wide Web and went live on August 6, 1991. The first instant message was sent by Ted Leonsis to his wife via American Online in January 1993. It read, Don't be scared. It is me. Love you and miss you. He later became AOL's vice chairman. The first sentence uttered on Skype was in Estonia in April 2003. As an avid internet spelunker, someone who constantly searches the web but never finds what they're looking for, the internet usually just gives me a case of trichotillomania. That's the irresistible urge to pull one's hair out. It's words you never I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words.
1: Ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Crater, Linda Franklin, Alex Okoroji, Lori Johnson, Lisa Giechus, and Kimberly Rinaldi, and we are spanning the globe today. We've got. Guests uh, today from Nigeria, we've got from New York City, Washington, D.C., the great state of Texas, Oregon, and California. So we really have a wide variety of women today on our panel, and this is our uh, talk radio, our party of seven, our table for seven today. And so pick up a glass of wine or a cup of coffee or a glass of water and join us in this conversation that we are hoping will allow people to have conversations about what we're talking about be validated supported comforted so that they can be the best that they can be because that's what we do as women we we support each other and this is kind of like a modern day quilting fest over here we're just digital we're not quilting or knitting or sitting around a cup of coffee we're actually at our computers from around the world coming together to really discuss some of these topics that are difficult for women and when women get into their power I have found as I come into my own power, you hear words like, she's intimidating, she's a ball buster, as Lisa Dietrich put it, rhymes with witch, you know, that word, Um, we're called all these negative things when we come into our power, and I'm going to go to Lisa Dietrich in Oregon first, because intimidating is such a nice word for how strong women are perceived and lisa you're a very strong woman and i think you know both you and i have walked this globe enough and be told that we're intimidating we're powerful or use the b word um how how does that affect you and and what do you want to say to especially young women coming up today
5: well, and it's it's a difficult thing when you're in the workplace, and, you know, a man who is being aggressive and going after what he wants is, you know, he's assertive, he's a go-getter, but a woman doing the same thing is viewed in a very negative way, and, um, and unfortunately, I found that I have to be a lot more careful about how I say things, how I do things, how I go about things. It doesn't make it any different that I'm still going after what I want, and I'm still... Um, forging forward with my life however um there may still be a double standard in a lot of the business world where we have to be a little more careful but that should not stop us or deter us from going after what we want we may need to be a little bit more creative in how we ask for what we want
1: linda franklin new york city
2: you know uh intimidating yeah that you know that's a word that you hear and you hear The B word, and you hear all sorts of other words, but you know what? I don't think you have to pay. You you don't have to pay attention to them. You have to be who you are. You have to be out there. You have to be recognized. And sometimes the, the, the people that you're intimidating the most are not the men, but the women. Because the women are the most critical of you, not the men. And that's what I have found. I think it's also a topic we can talk about is how much are women supporting other women on the way up to the top. And from where I stand, it's not a lot because there isn't enough women in corporate America or politics or any other arena that um, that are getting that support from, from from the women. The women are very fragmented these days. And um, that's you know that that's hurting our image. We all have to stick together, but for some reason we're not doing it.
0: Linda Crater, Washington D.C. I really enjoy this part of the discussion because I remember being told I was intimidating uh, at a very young age, um, and being completely baffled. I'm five feet tall. I just have an inquisitive mind. I ask questions, and I'm curious about life. And then I came to realize that. Some of us are blessed with an ability to process thoughts, really connect the dots that others may not. And that was intimidating to some people. I've heard it also called intensity. And I I plead guilty. And it's, it's one of those things that some people feel comfortable with and some do not. I have found that you can find both men and women who really love strong women who are creative and curious and thoughtful and want to uh, be around you. And those are the ones that are often, you know, really kindred spirits no matter their gender. And so I find that society has taken A big role in this, in my view. We went through the um, 80s where we were told that everybody was completely equal. And I think time has shown us that we're not equal. We are different. Can we do the same things? In most cases, absolutely. But intimidation can get in the way. And I agree with Linda Franklin that often it's been the women that are intimidated and that's harder to handle, I think, than the men because I think men are very black and white. And as long as you can address yourself in a direct fashion that is asking for what you want and, and make it very clear, that's a language they seem to understand. Women less so in my experience. Kimberly
1: Rinaldi,
9: Los Angeles. You know, and I, I really look at societal standard on this. Mm-hmm. I can, I can recall being, um, I think it was like 9 or 10 years old surrounded by what I first experienced the mean girls to be and one of them, bless her heart, asked me, you think you're pretty, don't you? I have this thing I tell the truth I stood up and I said, absolutely it's genetics, it's not my fault and she responded you're conceited and they all started ragging me mean girls, Mean girls. 8 years old, 10 years old And I remember having to sort of dim my light just a tiny bit to make somebody else comfortable. And you never remember the exact circumstances when you change that line in the sand, what we call your values, when you start sliding that, but you'll remember how you feel about it. And I look back on that and spending 20 years in the corporate environment, being five foot two, being female, being Hispanic, as my mother put it when I was four and telling me I'd be overlooked, I became, I guess, a little bit militant. Um, but society sends us mixed messages. I can also, my mother, bless her heart, who told me, you know, you're, you're short, you're female, you're Hispanic, you're going to be overlooked if you don't stand up for yourself. I remember one Christmas opening a gift in front of the family smiling oh so sweetly, looking at my aunt and saying, yeah, I hope you kept the receipt. Afterwards, my mom jumped on my business on that one about being grateful and, you know, and, and my response was, why would I lie? I run the risk of getting another one of these. I think we get these terrible mixed messages that we can and we should, yet we get penalized or judged for doing. And I, I would love to see, you know, I'd love to see it stop at the mean girls. Let's start teaching our daughters to really honor those who stand up and stand out and are brighter and learn from them versus trying to dim their light.
1: Excellent, excellent, excellent. Let's go to Nigeria with Alex Okoroji. Do we have Alex? Alex, can you hear me? Oh, we might have lost Alex. We're going to go to Lori Johnson.
4: Hi. Um, I have been working with a concept that um, came from the intimidation and also came from the idea of being conceited because uh, whether nature or you take care of yourself on how you take care of your skin on how you dress was considered conceited. And I started thinking that you can stand in your own power without ego, which is recognizing who you are, recognizing everything that you have learned, all your skills, whether they're natural or the ones that you have change while you are working on things yourself and while you're learning. And it comes down to you can stand in your own power without ego. You can be proud of who you are, of what you have what you learned. That isn't ego. That's just fact. And one of the things that I'm also very aware of is that women, like all the women who are on today, women who are listening, that we're still teachers and more than ever before teachers to get people to shift on how they're looking at things, especially in the business world Every time you come up against somebody, especially a man or a group of men, where you have to maneuver through, stand in your own power, but still maneuver through, you're teaching them something. You're teaching them a new way of dealing with things and looking at things. And they might not really want it. They might fight it. But they're getting it little by little by little. It's a terrible responsibility. They're not exactly um, Because men can do what they want. And women still have to move around that. So far, we're getting there. But it's still that we have a responsibility. I like talk not just daughters, not just young children, on how to their lives better so not in that same mindset. But it's being able to know that it is a responsibility that we can make a huge difference. You think it's just a little by little.
1: Okay, we're having some technical difficulties, Lori. I don't mean to cut you off, but we can't hear you. Um, I'm going to see if we can hear Alex Okoroji. Alex, are you here from
5: Nigeria? Okay,
1: so we're going to go to Lisa
5: Dietrich in Oregon. I love what these women are saying about just standing up for who you are, if you're pretty, if you're well-dressed. having I worked in the L.A. garment industry for about 10 years, and that wasn't even an issue. We all dressed our best and wanted to look our best, and so that part just kind of goes with it. Um, I think then I went into the customer service industry, and that taught me more about how to get what you want, and yet treat everybody as if they're your customer whether it's somebody you're trying to get business from one of your employees and using the kindness and uh just being nice to people does more to grow a business to um you know help you get what you want and need um that's kind of where i was going when i said you need to be a little careful about how you go after things and i know there are some industries where that's not necessarily the case but it's worked for me and um I just, um, I think, you know, the other women are talking about the mean girls and how they, um, you know, try to cut you down. Um, I definitely have seen that from other women in, the, in business as well. And it, that's a sad thing because when I'm standing up telling people what I want or, you know, making a point, um, first of all, I want to make sure that I always have data to back up what I'm asking for, why I need it, um, how it's going to benefit everybody involved. But it's usually the women that will try to undercut and, you know, uh, undermine. And, um, you know, we as women really need to be more supportive of one another and not be afraid to, um, if another person achieves more than we do, don't be afraid to support her anyway. You know, work with each other and just be strong in who we are and where we're going and help each other. I think we're, you know, as women all together, we're going to achieve much more and go much farther if we work together.
1: That was Lisa Dietrich. We're here today with
5: Alex Okoroji
1: from Nigeria, Linda Kreter, Washington, D.C., Linda Franklin, New York City, Laurie Johnson, Texas, and Kimberly Rinaldi, Los Angeles. We'll be back after the break.
0: Dynamic Women Talk Radio and we'll return after these short messages.
8: the United States Postal Service successfully ships over 160 billion packages and letters, with bills traveling through the mail at twice the speed of checks. Automated sorting machines read zip codes and directs the mail to the proper destination. But last year, they failed to read some 2.4 billion pieces of mail, all because of cacography. That's bad handwriting. So what happens to all that errant mail? The post office hires more than 700 postal clerks to decipher the most difficult ones. When a sorting machine discovers an illegible address, it scans and sends a digital image to the clerk's computers amazingly the average clerk can crack the code in just three seconds not everyone can keep up though as management at the post office is always pushing the envelope It's i'm carolyn davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app too funny for word
10: have you heard
1: Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here for Dynamic Women Talk Radio and if you like what you're hearing today, you can check us out on iTunes. You can also check us out on DynamicWomenTalkRadio.com. We're visiting today with Alex Okoroji from Nigeria, Linda Kreter. Um oh, sorry, Linda Crater, Washington, DC, Linda Franklin, New York City, Lori Johnson, Texas, Lisa Dietrich, Oregon, and Kimberly Rinaldi, California. So we are really spanning the globe today and we've been talking about networking. We've been talking about asking for what we want as women and how women are better at making friends uh in many cases than networking. And when we talk about network, I'm going to, networking. I'm going to go to Linda Crater first because networking is very, very difficult for many of us, and it can be intimidating as long
0: um, as well as many other things. Linda Crater, Washington D.C. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you. I following on to what Lisa had mentioned earlier and several of the other amazing women on this call, and that was to stay authentic, stay being yourself, because when you don't act like yourself, you don't have the self-confidence, you don't have the presence that you do when you're putting it all together and asking for what it is that you want or need, whether in business or personally. And at one point in my life, I had been doing extremely well, and I started to get a lot of comments about... Where's your balance? Why, why do you care so much about work? Why are you being, uh, such a success is such an important thing to you. And for a while, I, I was just completely puzzled. And then I pulled in, thought a little bit and thought, wait a minute. I am not going to apologize for being a success. If that's threatening to someone or they are not comfortable with it, that is not my problem. That is their problem. But in networking, pulling it right back, I think as long as you know that you are adding value to others with whatever it is you're going to go share with them, that it pays dividends. And it's worth putting it out there. The worst thing they can do is say no. And usually I tell myself that doesn't mean no forever. That means no Right now, and I can live with that. So, be yourself. Don't apologize for being a success, and carry yourself forward because you know you can add value to other women and to business. Kimberly Rinaldi, Los Angeles.
9: You know what? And to sort of tail onto what Linda was saying, I think with networking from a female perspective, we understand there's an aspect of asking, there's an aspect of risk that is, I think, what we're culturally or maybe even genetically geared for um, challenge with. I look at it, having spent, again, 20 years in corporate healthcare arena, as I, I can't do it all. Yeah, I'm good at a lot of things, but I can't do it all. And this is about building a team of people along with me and being available to help other people's teams get what they need out of the world. So... You know, I'm an adaptive introvert. I put that discomfort, that difficulty to the side and look at the greater good. What is going to give me the greater good, my business, the greater good, and potentially somebody else. And that, I think, seems to help, at least in my perspective.
10: Mm
3: -hmm. Alex Okoroji, Nigeria. You know what? You know, just listening to all the other ladies say so much great stuff, you know, I, I was thinking especially back home here in Africa, right? Because I think for women, some women still have a problem with understanding what exactly is networking, right? Because we say we're very good at, you know, building friendships and, and making friends, but what is really networking? And really that is how do we transform some of those friendships, right, and relationships that we have with other women into something that becomes a business relationship and how can that sort of graduate to become something that is, um valuable for us in our businesses or in whatever it is that we do, whatever our career or jobs are. And just listening to that and, you know, just talking about being intimidated, I've been, you know, I've been described as intimidated, right? I'm doing quite a bit of stuff, you know, from Africa, you know, been joined and I get to hear all of those, you know, conversations. But I've also learned something because I found out that I used to think that I was an extrovert. And then when I had my child, I found that I was a little introverted, and then I found a word that says ambivalent, which is that I am an introverted extrovert. But I had to find a way to how do we how do we become more inclusive? How do we invite more women into our fold? How do we make other women feel like even though we're um, we're go getters and we're you know, we're achievers and we're creators and innovators and we're constantly achieving stuff and we're successful, how do we make those who are a little worried because, yes, it's true, we, um, more women are intimidated about other women than men are about women. Do I, how, what can we do to make other women feel like, you know what, I can do this to now feel inspired and motivated instead of intimidated? So... Maybe it's, you know, and I think that that's where also social networking comes into play, because what are the chances that I could be connecting with a Sandra Beck all the way from Nigeria, right? Or, you know, listening to the, you know, the beautiful Kimberly or Laurie or anyone else, um, if not for social media, for example. So how do we, how are we able to Um, extend, you know, sort of an open, you know, open arms to other women. And I think it's also in value, like appreciating what they're doing as well, not just what we're achieving, but how do we pay attention to what other people are doing? So if, you know, we find something interesting about somebody else and we can say, you know, I'd like to reach out. I think you just did some, some amazing job and it's okay to celebrate. I think that's the word I've been looking for, celebrate. Mm -hmm. How do we celebrate other women so that they feel included, you know? And, And that's, you know, that's just what I had in my head.
1: I love that. How do we celebrate other women? We're going to go to Linda Franklin in New York.
2: Okay. I think that we can celebrate um, other women all the time, but I don't think it does a whole lot for, for a networking relationship. A networking relationship is a two way street. You've got to give as much as you get. And the way someone will really re- recognize you and know you're for real and know that you're worth hanging on to is you do something for them first. Don't always have the ask out. Uh, but right. offer something that they need um and follow through with it and make it happen. And I guarantee you, then it's going to come back to you. I think that that's the most important thing. Words are good. Words are wonderful. Kindness is wonderful, but people want results. And I think that you have to show that you can make things happen.
3: Well, and can I, I think that's I was just going to jump in into that. Yeah, I agree with you. You definitely have to add value to other, you know, you have to add value to someone else's business or their lives. And that's what networking is about. But I also think that for you to get that open road, right, you need to understand what they're about because I think that a lot of times people go into networking blind. You have, have you done your research about this person you'd like to collaborate with or partner with or do a joint venture with? Are you paying attention to what they're achieving? What are the things, how, how can you synergize what you're doing with what they're doing so that, you know, they can see the value that you're going to bring and before, you know, before you extend that, you know, do whatever you need to do for them. You need to have some sort of back research. Now, the question is, are we paying so much attention to other people or are we focused on just ourselves? And for me, I found out that What it made, what what made it easier for me to be able to partner with so many people around the globe and do so much is me paying attention to what they are achieving, what they would like to achieve. Sometimes it's not just what they've achieved, but things that you know that might be something that they want to accomplish and how you can make it easier, or you can be instrumental to helping them achieve that. But if you're not focused on them as well, then you probably don't know what they want to achieve. So I think that you know it's a two way street, and it's also not just focusing on ourselves, but how do we Look at the people that, you know, would like to partner with and see what we can bring to the table for them.
0: You know, I love that part about um, the adding the value. And I love what Linda said about don't put the ask out there first, because in my belief, networking equals a relationship. Mm -hmm. And in all relationships, you have to form a bond. It takes it's a process. It takes time. So. In my most successful networking efforts, I've built a relationship first, and that goes from very effective people, um, but it also, who are already successful, who, you know, may not even know who I am, but I found that even in the smaller relationships where you're looking at a brand new entrepreneur or trying to introduce someone to someone else, because you can do something for them that they cannot do for themselves. And if you can do that, that's a nice way. It's a, an introduction um, or a an uh, electronic email introduction. I find that you're building that relationship. This isn't a tit for tat. This is definitely a... Let me add value to you because then I show you I'm real. And yes, I'd like to do business. I make no bones about that with them, but it makes a difference. And then if you can find that one that's starting out who's timid about networking, be a mentor, as someone mentioned earlier, which is really important. I think it was you, Linda Franklin. If you believe in someone before they believe in themselves, you have done a wonderful gift and blessing to them. Which will lead them to do that for someone else, so I think networking is a very valuable tool that we can use both in personal relationships but especially in business. Linda Franklin, New York City. I got to
2: agree with Linda because um, sometimes by helping somebody else, um, and you don't do it because you think you're going to get something back from them. No you do it because right. If- it feels good. You, you know, you know they're on the cusp. You want to push them over. And, you know, when you do these kind things for people just out of the goodness of your heart because you believe in them, it's amazing what comes back to you. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just don't be, don't be stingy with helping other people because, it, you know, inevitably it's going to come back to you in spades anyway, even though when you don't expect it, it's going to be such a wonderful gift.
1: hmm I think it's important that we, um, we identify some of the themes of today's uh, show. I'm going to just roundtable really quick and ask you for the most important thing you came up with this segment. We're going to go to Kimberly Rinaldi first. You know, I'm going to say the most
9: important thing that I'm picking up from this is the ability to understand it is friendships. It is relationships. It's just in a different context. Linda
0: Crater, Washington, D.C. I agree. It's relationships, and it's also adding value to others.
5: Uh, Lisa Dietrich, Oregon. Um, again, uh, I agree with the other ladies. It's it's relationship and being confident that we're helping one another without having to fear uh, damaging that relationship when we enter into the business realm. Alex Okoroji,
3: Nigeria. I have to agree with them. It's really a relationship. You know, it's building a friendship and Like you said, a relationship. And it just had me thinking about, you know, just how men also do that when you have men meet up over drinks, right? They share beer and chat. And and then they're probably going to throw in a couple of conversation about business. But it's just this, you know, the the way in which they do it or they meet over the golf course or something. It's just the way that they do that. It's really about the friendship and the relationship first. And somehow they're able to sort of blend that with all the other things that they want, really. We're going to come back after the commercial break and we're going to hear from Lori Johnson
1: in Texas and we're going to hear a little bit more about this male energy transferring to female energy. I'm your host, Sandra Beck. This is Dynamic Dynamic Women Talk Radio. We'll be back after the break.
0: We're Dynamic Women Talk Radio and we'll return after these short messages.
6: For more on the show and your host, check out our website, LaBellaVitaCosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on Toginat.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
7: It is not a myth that healthy, nutrient-dense foods are more expensive than many junk foods. Researchers at the University of Washington found that healthy foods like lean meats and whole grains have increased nearly 30% in the past four years, while soft drinks and candy have only gone up 15%. Since meat is one of the most expensive items that you purchase at the grocery store, it's a good idea to cut back on meat, especially for health reasons. Filling up on fresh fruit and vegetables is a great way to lose weight, keep healthy, and keep food costs down. Eating beneficial, delicious foods keeps you lean, strong, and in good health. It is possible to eat healthy food and keep costs down. Your goal is to lose weight, not money. For the Fitness Minute... I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond.
1: ladies this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Dynamic Women Talk Radio and we are visiting today with Alex Okoroji from Nigeria, Linda Crater, Washington DC, Linda Franklin, New York City, Lori Johnson, Texas, Lisa Dietrich, Oregon and Kimberly Rinaldi, uh, Southern California, Los Angeles. Now the reason I bring this up is I love to have different geographical cultural um, experiences on the show where we can share and to see not only how different we are but actually how common we are at our cores and one of the things that i think that we all struggle with is kind of our masculine and feminine energy and balancing them in these beautiful bodies that god gave us so i'm going to go to lori johnson first because she's the one that i think of as the expert of masculine and feminine energy and then i'm going to ask each one of the girls today to talk about how they balance these energies and if they do and and what's coming up, Lori, with you know this coming year of of these energy shifts that we're we're hearing so much about. So Lori Johnson, Texas.
4: The energy shifts shifts are are pretty intense intense right now. Let me turn this down. I think I'm feeding back on myself here. Um Mm -hmm. we're at a time that has been coming for a long time where it's about equality and we're just at the beginning of that. So it's is kind of difficult to know that we are moving toward a time that is not going to be from masculine dominance into feminine dominance. It's the first time in at least 2,000 years that we're dealing with the equality of both. And there's a little bit more of a pendulum swing of women coming into power, women going to be in power uh, a little bit more. We're moving into that. And we both have, yes, it's all the feminine and masculine, the right side, the left side of the brain, all of that stuff is coming into balance, but there's always the pendulum that kind of gets things started before we actually get into that balance. We've probably got another six years of this struggle. And this year is very significant because it's kind of the last year where um, that fail, I can be a child and say what I want ego thing is really going to be coming into play. And people who are in that are going to shoot themselves in the foot. When that happens, it's going to be the calmer minds or the parental minds, even the mother mind, that is going to come in and teach, not in the traditional sense of the mother who is the caretaker, but the mother who is the leader in being able to be balanced.
1: I'm going to go down round table now in the balancing of our masculine and feminine energies. I'm going to start with Linda Franklin, New York City.
2: Thanks, Sandra. Um, Yeah, well, my male energy has always been pretty dominant, and I've had to learn how to bring out the feminine. I mean, it's always been in there, but I, I always didn't use it the way I should have. Um, In business, certainly, I had to exude a terrible amount (laughs) of male energy, and it worked, and it was good, and, uh, you know, I never even thought about it. It was just me. Um, But now I have become, I certainly with age have become softer, bringing out more of the feminine. And I will tell you the thing that's helped me a lot in doing that is my dog, Lucy. I mean, she is, like, the sweetest little thing in the whole world. And when I look at her, my heart just opens. She's just such a wonderful... She's just such a wonderful way to bring out my feminine energy because I feel like her mother, and since I never had children, I mean that has really done remarkable um, change for me, and you know, and I'm I'm loving it.
1: Linda, I'm just going to say, you might not have ever had children, but you've adopted me and I love every minute of it. Well, so
2: <laughs> You are my favorite daughter. We do I, that I,
1: as women. I think we I, adopt each other and love each other. Um, and so I just want to honor Linda Franklin for that. She's given me so much, especially since my mom passed. And that's a perfect example of women supporting women to be their best. Um, and I'm going to go over to Linda Crater in Washington.
0: No, I, I love that. Linda Franklin adds value to all of us. Um, In male and female energy, I think um, after life dealt a couple of hard blows, I resolved that I wasn't going to divide who I was. I was going to be proud of who I was. And I don't really believe that I divide my male and female energy. I do divide my intensity based on the circumstances. Um, I think I do it more with body language, uh, a flash of the eyes, or I have this famous eyebrow lift that anyone who knows me is either laughing or concerned when they see the eyebrow lift. I use humor to diffuse situations as opposed to pulling out my um, more masculine side of things. I am a girly girl, and I've had to accept that, and I embrace it, and it has worked for me, and I especially love the freedom of just being who I am and not worrying about the masculine or feminine energy anymore just using whatever comes forth at the time is generally I've been described as a lady and I'll take that because am I always that way no but I find that I get more done and that I am received better that way so it may be my you know, environment, the people I work with now and the entire D.C. get along with everyone or else you get hurt um, makes a difference. But I find that I don't really divide the male and female.
1: Okay, we're going to go from the Crater. We're going to move
0: over to
5: Oregon with Lisa Dietrich. When we brought up the subject of the male versus female energy, I really had to stop and think about that. And then I realized I grew up with older brothers Um, so my whole life growing up was kind of a male dominated life and I didn't even think twice about it, you know, and, um, perhaps, you know, for my own life, that competitiveness and that energy just comes naturally to me, especially in the business world and, um, learning a little bit more about customer service and how to, um, offer my assistance and, um, you know, the kindness, not weakness, but, um, just being, uh, coming off as a little less competitive and, and, that has really helped me in, in the business world in, um, you know, being able to ask for what I need and, uh, by helping people and letting them know I have something to offer them, um, it, to help them. Um, so, you know, it's, it's an interesting concept, but I'm kind of with the other ladies I, I don't really have to, you know, I don't have to I I don't sit there and think about, you know, am I going male here or female? I just am what I am.
1: Alex Okoroji in Nigeria.
3: Um, you know, I've been thinking about this and even though with um I personally don't consciously go, uh, this is the male part of me or this is the feminine part of me and the masculine part of me. I do acknowledge that there is a strong masculine part of me that has probably been dominant. And but in the you know in the last three, four years, I think um, I've been revealing more of the vulnerable part of me, and I remember saying that, you know, on a show that I'm not a weak woman who's trying to be, who's learning how to be strong, but a strong woman who's learning how to be vulnerable, and which mm. is why I came, you know, started the whole naked, you know, naked movement and the naked approach is to be able to show how transparent and authentic and vulnerable, and it's okay to embrace that, right? But there are times when I needed to step up. I mean, as a single mom, there are times when you can't afford to. You have to take certain decisions and you have to take certain actions. And at that point, you have to think like the man, right? Or use the masculine side of you. Because for me, I'm mommy and I'm daddy. And sometimes I have to work. I have to go on set and be away from home for so long. And that's daddy because daddy has to go make money, right? And come back and do stuff. And so. Sometimes I talk to myself that way, but I, in, in recent years, I've, you know, I've just been teaching myself how to be more vulnerable and I realize that I'm getting a whole lot more done, right? That I, you know, I have to approach things differently. I can be softer and I can be more patient and I can do things and I can still get a lot of things done without being so, I can be tough on the, in, on the inside, right? And be vulnerable on the outside. So I, I guess I'm finding great ways to blend it.
1: Alex, I just want um, to honor you on the vulnerability chat before I go to Kimberly Rinaldi. Um, when I was dating a guy a couple years ago, a longtime friend of mine, he used to get on me all the time. He's like, "San, you're so bulletproof. San, you don't need any help. San, you don't ask for anything. And he wanted to be with me in court when I had some court issues, family issues, and he wanted to be there to, to support me. And I really, truly didn't know how to even receive that or accept that support. So we started this thing called (laughs) Vulnerable Wednesdays. And each Wednesday, I would give a think about something I could be vulnerable about, ask him for or talk to him. And it was really hard for me. It was very, very hard for me to be vulnerable. I didn't even know what vulnerable meant. I think raising kids on my own for so long and taking care of my dad and running my own company really kind of put a shield up around me like a bat shield so Kimberly Rinaldi on vulnerability you know what and just to briefly comment on that it we are taught
9: that we have to be strong to excel in a corporate environment I'm going through perimenopause I'm becoming this fluffy little bundle of cuddles and from what I hear from my mom and I love my mother she's 75 years old and has all of this experience watching me be me this is actually who I came in to be, the tough broad that I became, that masculine energy that I had to call forth, that stepping up was something that I developed. But according to her, this is who I was at two, three, four years old—was a cu- you know cuddly little fluffy bunny that wanted to help everybody. And like you were saying, vulnerable Wednesdays. This is you know. I sit down and give myself a good cry. It's like, go sit in the corner, cry about it, be a girl about it, sprinkle some glitter on it, and let's see how you feel later. I'm getting used to it.
1: I love that. Sprinkle some glitter on it. Uh, Linda Franklin, quickly, vulnerability. We've got about a minute and a half to the end of today's show.
2: Okay. To me, vulnerability is letting go and uh that's really really tough for me and i'm sure it's tough for a lot of other women out there uh because we always want to feel like we're in conchar- in charge and we we have control well we all know in essence we really don't but letting that go is very very it's it's hard but it's so rewarding so being vulnerable is just letting go you know what do they say let go and let god i mean mm-hmm. It it sounds kind of, you know, cliche-ish, but you know what? It really works. And since I've learned to let go of a lot of things, so many other beautiful things have come into my life.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. All right, I want to thank everybody for being uh, the guest today on Dynamic Women Talk Radio. You can find more episodes like this on DynamicWomenTalkRadio.com. We have Alex Okoroji coming to us from Nigeria, Linda Crater in Washington, D.C., Linda Franklin, New York City, Lori Johnson, Texas, Lisa Dietrich, Oregon, and Kimberly Rinaldi, Los Angeles, and I'm going to ask anyone listening to today's episode to send some healing energy towards toronto for one of our frequent guests frankie picasso who is suffering from a lot of pain and we're going to send her energy healing love and light because we can do that as women we are so powerful and i want to thank you all for being my guest today i want to thank our sponsors and i want to thank our listeners we are powerful we are women we are strong we can get it together and we can change the world we'll be back again next week
0: Thank you for tuning in today to Dynamic Women Talk Radio and join us each week. You can find more shows on DynamicWomenTalkRadio.com.